Howdy, howdy, howdy one, howdy all. Welcome to another episode of Strange Days from 10 till 8. There is no doubt about that. Right, let's do a bit of a two-minute intro and we'll get things rocking and rolling once again. Enjoy. Up. Boy, she's been a bit of a slug tonight, that's for sure. <sighs> Delete files, I was over bloody run with freaking memory and bloody then had to go back, restart a couple of times, kick it back in, off on with the old internet girl. Bloody hell, what a mess. But I think I've managed it. I think I've got it all sorted out. I think I have. Isn't this interesting? Let's start off with a bit of NASA. NASA has a parking lot full of old school cars, semi-trucks, emergency vehicles, and more. Are they preparing for an EMP strike, maybe, guys? Have a listen to this. You guys think. So, why does NASA have all these old school cars? My thoughts are, they're cars without computers in them. All from the 1970s. They're preparing for an EMP blast. What's odd is they're not just old school NASA cars. Here's a news car. They have a whole fleet from NASA vehicles, semi trucks, ambulances. Perhaps this is where that $50 million a day budget is going. As we all know, it's certainly not getting us into space. Collectors of CGI videos and apparently old school cars. Let me know what you think they're using them for. Question everything, friends. Until next time. What do they know that we don't know? Eh? Not part of the club, are we? 
Hmm. And look, looky, looky here, another predictive programming film about the grid going down. They say that this is the next 9-11. That's right. They say. Hi. Seven minutes. Energy official claims an attack on an American power grid was terrorism. The attack was the most significant incident of domestic terrorism involving the grid that has ever occurred in the U.S. This will be the next 9-11. This will be the next Pearl Harbor. As many as 90% of Americans could die. It could literally end civilization as we know it. power up not grid down four threats four imminent threats Paul Revere films you start and realize how fragile all this is wouldn't take much or to throw us George, right back into barbaric times George Cowan all you'd have to do would be eliminate electricity on August 14th 2003, a cascade of power failures shuts down electricity in southeast Canada and across eight northeastern states. Cities like New York are brought to a complete standstill. Hundreds of people are trapped in subway tunnels, while the traffic above becomes a nightmare of gridlock. In all, 55 million people lost power for up to two days. The main culprit, a sagging high-voltage power line in northern Ohio that brushed up against an overgrown tree. We are in a very dangerous place. I just think this has to be an emergency, an urgent situation. What would the catastrophic consequences be at a human level if you tried to live in a non-electricity world given the way we built our civilization? On any given day, there are thousands of attempts to penetrate the networks that control systems across America's power grid, and the risks are only growing. The real danger is that our infrastructure, in particular our electric power grids, are as vulnerable to cyber attack as the thousands upon thousands of businesses, companies, government agencies that have already been hacked over the last few months. A massive cyber attack in 2015 left a quarter of a million Ukrainians without electricity. Russia hacked into their grid and cut off power. It wiped out data, Ukrainian federal agencies. It wiped out the ability for anyone to pull money out of ATMs. It was the first ever automated blackout tool. And a push of a button can, like a machine gun, hit all of the circuit breakers at the utility. And that's what happened. You don't build a tool like this just to use it once. You build it as a kind of uh, repeatable attack that you can drop somewhere else and it will cause a blackout again. John Wellinghoff was chairman of FERC, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, a small government agency with jurisdiction over the U.S. high-voltage transmission system. Wellinghoff commissioned a study to see if a physical attack on critical transformers 
could trigger cascading blackouts. It was actually a very shocking result to us that there's very few number of substations you need to take out uh, in the entire United States to knock out the entire grid. Knock out the entire grid? That's correct. How many would it take to knock out putting the entire country in a blackout? Six to nine. Metcalf, California, 2013. Six to nine. Unidentified gunmen using AK-47s attacked some of the giant transformers that funnel power to Silicon Valley. Shortly before 1 a.m., someone cut telephone cables near the substation. About a half hour later, multiple gunmen quickly fired dozens of shots at 17 transformers. The Wall Street Journal reported that one minute before the police arrived, the attackers disappeared into the night. A nuclear explosion in the atmosphere above the United States could unleash a burst of invisible electrical energy that within a fraction of a second could wash over this country and overload all of our most sensitive electronic devices. An EMP pulse is a very dangerous threat. And it's a realistic threat. If you set off a high altitude burst EMP, every light in this hotel is going to go off. Every 20,000 feet. Every cell phone is going to go off. The power of an EMP is potentially devastating, and it's an open secret among nuclear-capable countries. We actually know that the Russians, the Chinese, the Iranians have in their war plans the first strike plan to take out our electrical power system with an EMP attack. It's not speculation. We know that. We've listened to Kim Jong-un of North Korea threaten an EMP attack. Famed insurer Lloyds of London issued a comprehensive report about the risk of a major geomagnetic storm to the world's economy. Lloyds pointed out that a Carrington-level extreme geomagnetic storm is almost inevitable in the future, and also mentioned that the duration of any outage could last up to two years. This threat has now silently grown to where it is perhaps one of the largest natural disaster scenarios that the country could face. That's and who makes these parts off it? It's even up to five years. China, 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 China. Society could face. How we respond to the looming threat facing our grid will ultimately be judged by history. If you are concerned about our electrical power system surviving, you need to let your legislator know how you feel. And if enough people make enough noise, we can get this through. I know we can get this done. We, the people of the United States of America, the greatest country on earth, must demand that we have a reliable and defensible power grid so that our families can continue to thrive. Failure has never been an option. We got this, America. Well, you could have had that several years ago when it was proposed to actually do it for several billion dollars. But nope, nope, de nope, nope. Can't do that. <clears throat> we can't loan our pockets with dirty money if we do that, can we now? Hmm, this will be the next, but no, I got that bloody one twice, I don't know how the hell that happened, very bizarre, very weird.
So I have people all the time ask me and they say things like, Leah, do you really think our government is that evil? Like, are they really that evil? They're worse. Picture the most diabolical, most evil person you've ever heard about or read about in your entire life and times it by about a hundred. If you truly knew the things that they have been doing to us as a populace for centuries, you would lose your shit. We would have overthrown the government a long time ago. Don't get me started on the Vatican or the royal family. You have no clue. If you don't have a clue, you're not going to believe this anyway. But it's all true. It is all 100% factual. They hunt, kill, sell, rape, yeah. torture. For fun. I've seen MS-13 members admit that they smuggle people and they traffic children for United States government officials. Why do you think Epstein's list hasn't been disclosed? She went, Gislaine, whatever the hell her name is, Giz, I call her Gislaine for a reason. Um, why do you think that her list hasn't been exposed yet? Because they're on it. The FBI, the DOJ, the DOD, all of them are, are in collusion together. Now imagine the most evil, evil person you've ever, ever heard about, read about, seen in movies. Now imagine that person with zero consequences. And an insurmountable amount of money. That's what our government is. I guarantee you it's 100 times worse than you can possibly imagine. I know it is. She knows it is. She knows it is. Do you condemn what Hamas did? Do you condemn that kind of action? Do you condemn Hamas? Yes. But who created Hamas? Who created it? I see the beast, I see the hand that fed the beast. Mm -hmm. Let's do that. Netanyahu literally said this in March 2019, and I quote, Whoever wants to thwart the establishment of a Palestinian state has to support strengthening Hamas and sending it money. It's part of our strategy of isolating the Palestinians in Gaza from those in Judea and Samaria is basically the West Bank. This dude supported the strengthening of Hamas by allowing money to flow from Qatar to them. He fed the monster so that when it gets unleashed on his citizens, he appears as a hero to the world and now can argue against the creation of a full-fledged Palestinian state, then proceed to destroy whatever's remaining in Palestine, mass murder its indigenous people, and finish the conquest of the land. That's always been the plan. His former commander from the IDF literally said this. He said, if we don't hand them another Nakba, catastrophe in Arabic like the one in 1948, they'll win. The Gazans have to be expelled from their homes for good. Do you see the plan? I discovered that a leaked document from Israel's intelligence ministry dated less than one week after October 7 proposes the permanent transfer of Gaza's residents to Egypt. Do you see the plan? Israeli government is and always has been imperialistic and colonial, and Netanyahu is a sociopath. He lies and manipulates for personal gain. If Hamas uses civilians as a shield, Netanyahu uses Hamas as his shield to protect himself from accusations of war crimes, crimes against humanity, and defend his decision to destroy Gaza, to construct a victim story along with a hero story and feed it to the world. So instead of just looking at the monster, look at the hand that fed the monster, that empowered 
monster and ask yourself why. The answer is an imperialistic and sociopathic goal of eradicating the indigenous Palestinians and stealing their land, whatever the cost. And when you have governments like the U.S. government, who are the biggest funders of the Israeli military, billions of dollars, when that government and others around the world that support Israel see that Netanyahu allowed the funding of Hamas and don't pause and ask themselves, uh, that's not wise, it means they are complicit because they support modern colonization. So what do you think of your new work pod? Pretty nice, right? Yeah. It's a bit cramped, though. Uh-oh. That's bad speak. Bad speak. I'll let you sort that out. See you at the mandatory Shibuya roll call dance later today. Yikes. You have violated your employment smart contract. Replaying offending speech. It's a bit cramped, though. This statement is in direct contradiction with the verified Snopes fact that open office 2.0 work pods are comfortably I think a wage penalty might be in order. cubicles with the communal spirit of open office environments. You have been deducted 20 good boy tokens from your weekly income. Warning. Protected weekly income is insufficient to meet your weekly rental payment. Please ensure that your wallet is appropriately funded Mm-hmm. Welcome to the future. Futurisms. Futurisms for sure. There's no doubt about it. Wake up, Americans. You're about to be... This speech that goes for 56 seconds, it was done in 2019 on the 20th of the 5th. By whom? I do not know. Americans, you're about to be pulled into a war with Arabs, with the Muslim world, and you're going to be made to believe that something horrible that happened to you was done by the Muslims. But it wasn't done by the Muslims. It was done by a wild card, the Israeli Mossad, that's cunning and ruthless and can carry out attacks on Americans and make it look like Arabs did it. That's the literal definition of a false flag. And then write that. That's a false flag. That's not my conspiracy theory. That's the U.S. Army report the day before, published the day before 9-11. Yes. You can call me any name you want to call me. That's a U.S. Army report. They warned us. They were telling us what Israel is capable of doing. Golf of Tonkin. Tonkin. Tennessee just became the first state to ban Agenda 2030. That's the way to go, Tennessee. Agenda 21 and any any UN resolution adopted by the federal government that would encroach upon the rights of Tennesseans and the Constitution. One for Tennessee, for sure. There's no doubt about it. Congresswoman mentions inner dimension beings. Huh? What? With all due respect to Congresswoman Luna, 
she seems to go out of her way to say that David Crush did not say aliens or extraterrestrials. She should note from her colleague level physics studies that interdimensional beings would literally be either aliens from a different multiverse dimension visiting here or for all practical purposes would be future humans traveling back to an earlier timeline in a multi-universe everyone is scared to admit we have beings that are in essence aliens visiting the world I think it's incredibly important to listen to the specific words that Grush uses. You know, Grush never said extraterrestrial or alien. He said interdimensional. It has become apparent that there is a movement, whether it's within the intelligence intelligence community or not, to prevent us from finding out more information on this. Um, he didn't say aliens, blah blah blah, but he said interdimensional. Let me hear that again. So that's not as crazy as the others. I get it. I'm trying to get it. I'm sort of getting it. I think I've got it. I think it's incredibly important to listen to the specific words that Grush uses. You know, Grush never said extraterrestrial or alien. He said interdimensional. It has become uh, apparent that there is a movement, whether it's within the intelligence intelligence community or not, to prevent us from finding out more information on this. Luna would not expand when asked what interdimensional meant, whether this was something which could bend time and space. Mm. Other lawmakers accused the government of deliberately trying to keep Congress in the dark. They send us bureaucrats who don't know on purpose. I'll put it that way. If I wanted to put any doubts here at rest, I'm sure there are people who can or cannot do it, and those are the night people were offered up. <laughs> From crazy to weird from weird to bizarre it's happening it's happening arrests turmoil they will never be able to walk the streets again listen to this busted busted come on they are doctors, they are lawyers, they are accountants, they are elected officials, they are executives at high-tech companies and pharmaceutical companies, they're military officers, government contractors, professors, scientists. Did you spy on a young woman in her bedroom so that you could have gratification? A suspect, Jamil Brown, he isn't just anybody, he's a major with the United States Space Force. Personal sex ring was built on secrecy and exclusivity, catering to a wealthy and well-connected clientele. And business was booming. of the department have died by suicide in the last 48 hours. The incidents happened on Monday and Tuesday within a 48-hour period. The Sheriff's Department says three were active members of the department. One was retired. The identities of the deputies are not released out of respect for the families. Mmm. Suiciding themselves now, are we? Busted. It's a shame what has been kept back from us. All in the name of profits and control for a selected few. What could that be amongst many? What's this little rabbit hole going into here? 
The car. The car that could spin around at automatic. Well, it's nice to be playing it because you can't see it. But it goes into all this technology back when the cars first come out. They had these little wheels that would spin to the sides and the car would rotate around like on a corkscrew and all sorts of crazy stuff. Even had one that's got a um actually a it, it, it had solar pa panels on it. An electric car, way back then, eh? With a big solar panel on the roof. The sun. For this is the world's first solar car, powered by a 10,000 cell panel on the roof, brought over from the United States by scientist and pioneer in this sphere, Dr. Charles Discovery, to illustrate the potential of solar energy. The silicon cells convert heat into electric power, which is then stored in the car's batteries, and with the present roof panel, it takes between 8 and 10 hours of sunlight to provide enough power for an hour's driving at 20 miles an hour. Mmm. Well, well, well. Nothing new under the sun, eh? Britney Spears, MK Ultra. Bald Britney. She said she was tired of having things plugged into her head and didn't want people touching her. Or maybe sniffing her hair, maybe. More information now about what a bald Britney Spears was doing and saying inside a Sherman Oaks tattoo shop. Sniffy, sniffy. joins us again now with new information. Leslie? Certainly is a different look for Britney Spears, Mark and Michelle. Uh, with me now is Emily Wynn-Hughes. Emily, you were inside the tattoo parlor when Britney arrived and got her tattoo, and you asked her why she shaved her head. What did she say? Um, she basically just said that she was tired of having things plugged into it, and she didn't want anybody to touch her, um, tired of people touching her that sort of thing it seemed like she was kind of sick of it all whatever it all is what would you describe her mood as being she seemed very distraught and disturbed um she was very scatterbrained and wasn't really answering many questions hmm wonder if sniffing was involved in that little episode <clears throat> inside cheyenne mountain guys Eh? We've heard a lot about it, but we don't hear what's going on inside there now, do we? A lot of speculation, a lot of conspiracy, a lot of thoughts. Well, I'm going to tell you what's in there. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you what's in there. It turns out that the real core of the United States is not the White House or the Pentagon, but a doomsday bunker hidden beneath Cheyenne Mountain. This bunker is shielded above by 500 meters of solid granite, ensuring its safety, even if a nuclear bomb explodes above it. The bunker is not only capable of defending against nuclear attacks from the outside, but its internal defense systems are also highly sophisticated. To enter the bunker, one must pass through two blast-proof steel doors, each weighing 25 tons and over 2 meters thick. In the event of a nuclear explosion, these doors automatically close within 15 seconds. The interior of the bunker is divided into seven tunnels and five buildings, each with three floors, totaling over 20,000 square meters of constructed area. 
These rooms are not carved out of the mountain itself, but are structures within the mountain, a bunker within a bunker. The entire structure rests on 1,300 springs designed to absorb shock waves from explosions. To accommodate a large number of people living in the bunker for extended periods, it is equipped with comprehensive life support systems. This includes a 22,000-ton water reservoir, 10 large power generators, 3,400 UPS power supplies, and nearly 2,000 tons of diesel fuel. Additionally, the bunker houses a clinic, store, dental office, post office, recreational and fitness center, public cafeteria, and hospital. It is equipped to cater to every need from birth to death. The stored supplies are sufficient to support 800 people living in the bunker for a year. There is also a secret waterway in the bunker that leads to the outside world, which is rarely used except in extremely urgent and special situations. Very few people know about this passage. With such comprehensive protection, one might wonder if it's only meant for 800 people to survive a year in case of an apocalypse. Actually, the main focus is on the five buildings inside, each room of which serves as a command center. If the Pentagon is the brain of the United States, then this place is its nerve center. The command rooms here can monitor any man-made aircraft over North America and detect attacks on the homeland and incoming missiles, sending out real-time alerts. With thousands of satellite bases and space satellite systems integrated here, it's possible to be aware of everything happening above the Earth at any time. If the outside world falls, this place will become the key command center for the U.S. president and military, essentially acting as a backup government. Although the Cheyenne Mountain Bunker has been in existence for a long time, it is still operational 24 hours a day. The question arises, why is this doomsday bunker, already known to many, still considered more mysterious than Area 51 in the United States? Mmm. Getting ready, are they? Jim Caviezel in 2003 movie Sound of Freedom. On the left and on the right is Marlon Brando in 1972 movie The Godfather. Keep it in the family. Box office, of, box office figures show that Sound of Freedom has now surpassed the Godfather in dollar-for-dollar dollar earnings. Mmm. Well, well, well. Bit of little trivia there for us. Have you ever heard of a game called Werewolf? Now, I'm not sure if I played this the night before or before that. But I think I might have, but if not, I'm going to play it. Because I listen, and sometimes I forget if I've played. Have you ever heard of a game called Werewolf? No. Everyone gets a piece of paper. It's either got Villager written on it, but two have the word Werewolf. Someone runs the game to make sure no one's cheating, and they go, okay, it's nighttime, everyone close your eyes. Werewolves choose someone to kill, and the werewolves go... They say, okay, everyone close your eyes, it's morning time, open them again. During the night, Francis was killed. There's then a conversation, and this is where it gets interesting, between all the villagers and the two werewolves over who the werewolves are. Then at the end of the day, the, the villagers have to decide who they're going to kill, and they say, well, we're going to kill Constantine. It's revealed by the person running the game, I'm afraid Constantine was a villager. 
and the game continues. The villagers win the game if they kill both werewolves. The werewolves win the game if they kill all but two villagers. And the werewolves usually win. The game was invented by a student of sociology in Russia who wanted to prove his thesis that an uninformed majority will always lose a battle of information against an informed minority. So that just shows when you have hidden information, you can completely manipulate a large group of people. Mm. The game becomes reality. Super Tramp predicts 9-11 with their 1979 Breakfast in America album cover. How so? They say. If you have a look at the album cover, the lady's got a holding up a orange juice right at the tower, pretty much where their plane hit. And if you do it backwards, um, Super Tramp, it has 9-11 straight over the towers. Way it's spelt. Very interesting. I wonder what's in that notebook that she's got signed there. Hmm, that could be another little tidbit. Just a coincidinky. Maybe, maybe not. Mysterious history on strange days. Strange alien tomb found deep inside a cave. Mystery history. Removed by the uploader. What was in this cave? I ask. 15 minutes. He would detail talks with a man known as Janos Juan Moritz, a figure who had managed to extensively explore the abandoned ancient underground tunnel systems. The entrance to this forgotten world is entered through the Cueva de los Teos, the Teos cave. While exploring... Janos claimed to have stumbled across a secret passage which led to rooms filled with mounds of golden jewels and coins and a golden sarcophagus placed within an intact ancient metallic library containing books made from a strange metal. Janos's research suggested that the golden fortune along with the sarcophagus and metallic library located within the artificial tunnels had been placed there by a lost civilization with the help of extraterrestrial beings. Did Janos Juan Moritz actually stumble upon an ancient alien tomb? A tomb which had managed to survive many thousands of years without being disturbed? Not only were the claims within von Däniken's book taken seriously, they resulted in the most expensive cave exploration ever undertaken. Uh -oh. Dan Hall from Britain commenced upon this expedition in 1976 with the goal of finding the golden artifacts and hopefully an alien corpse. The expedition included over 100 people, including experts in a variety of fields, British and Ecuadorian military personnel, a film crew, and even former astronaut and first man on the moon, Neil Armstrong. The team also included eight experienced British cavers who thoroughly explored the riskier of ancient tunnel systems, successfully conducting an accurate survey of the complex, producing a detailed map of the buried city. Unfortunately, Little evidence of von Däniken's more exotic claims was found, or remained. It is always a possibility that funded tomb robbers made it there first. It took over a year for Stan Hall to organize his team, a year which experienced a flurry of public attention directed towards what can only be described as drastically consequential claims. What's more, compounding evidence of the artifact's existence unearthed from these exact cave systems has miraculously been documented in the past 
Not only had some of these mythical items been recovered, the artifacts had been bought and collected by a man known as Father Crespi. Father Crespi is considered a saint by some. He was born in Milan, Italy in 1891 and died in 1982. He was a Salesian monk who dedicated his life to worship and charity. He actually lived in the small town of Cuenca in Ecuador for more than 50 years. He did not have much wealth, but what he did have, he used to help the less fortunate. He was an avid collector of what could now be classified as impossible artifacts. He would encourage those who needed money to bring him whatever items they could find within the jungles, and he would pay them for their troubles. Although some are crude forgeries, he still paid them for their efforts. Some, however, brought to him from within these cave systems collaborate the stories of Eric von Däniken. Not only did these particular artifacts collaborate the story, but they were often made from solid gold, exhibited language and visually illustrated culture of an as yet unknown but clearly highly developed ancient civilization. The collection also included several metallic books inscribed with an exquisite unknown language. Upon Father Crespi's death, his collection was looted by unknown peoples. All artifacts of interest were replaced with obvious forgeries or simply stolen. Upon returning from their unsuccessful expedition, the lead researcher met with Janos Moritz's indigenous source, who claimed that they had investigated the wrong cave. Had the source been paid for his silence? What is interesting is the fact that the team's efforts were not entirely fruitless. Characteristics of the cave systems they explored match that of the descriptions given by von Däniken. What's more, they actually unearth zoological, botanical, and archaeological features, items which are unexplainable for the geographical location, unless it was visited by a group of people capable of traveling the seas far before Columbus. What do you think of the Teos Cave's legendary golden burial chamber? Was it all a hoax? Or did somebody get there first? The unfinished step pyramid, also known as the Buried Pyramid, was found by Zakaria Goniam, an Egyptian archaeologist in 1951. Goniam noticed its odd rectangular shape in the desert while excavating the nearby Unius complex. A three-part rubble-coursed enclosure was initially discovered, and by digging to its bottom, it was found to be 5 meters tall and 18 meters thick. However, he later discovered that the wall further extended on both sides to dimensions of 520 meters on its north-south axis and 180 meters to the east-west. Predictably, the site is full of false doors and niches. Yet, what no one predicted was the unique sarcophagi, which was soon discovered thereafter. Built with a sliding door and largely believed to predate the Egyptian civilization, Indeed, the construction of the Great Pyramids themselves, due to the current condition of the site, Zakaria purportedly opened the sarcophagus in front of the world press. Yet, unfortunately, or rather predictably, like the many other sites discovered in the modern day in this most mysterious of areas, was completely empty. Presumably looted, though it is indeed possible that a cover-up of its contents had occurred just prior to the announcement of its discovery. Regardless of this absence of contents, it is thought to have been the burial chamber of Sekemke. This pharaoh, known as the second of the third dynasty of ancient Egypt, 
has been claimed as having reigned over Egypt circa 2686 to 2613 BC and is placed at the beginning of the Old Kingdom of Egypt. What makes the find all the more intriguing, however, along with its claimed predating of the height of the Egyptian Empire, is the unique style of the tomb itself. Clearly an out-of-place artifact, or possibly a sarcophagi of the original builders of the pyramids themselves, with the embalming technique later adopted and continued by later inhabitants of the Giza Plateau. A clear strategic power move by those who have claimed to have built the pyramids, yet also completely absent of any explanation of how, with its seemingly impossibly sized megalithic blocks found within the constructions. Furthermore, to support the accusation of a modern looting of this tomb is the fact that nearby, Sicaria Gonium also found 21 solid gold bracelets, small mussel shells, and Faian's corals covered with gold leaf. It would seem these items, although priceless, were less important than hiding the contents of the tomb. The question is, if this was indeed a looted tomb of the past, why were these now priceless relics seemingly left undiscovered, while the incredibly well-hidden sarcophagi was completely ransacked? It is a find which we find highly compelling. There are many mysteries, either yet to be discovered or have, and are now shrouded in conspiracy all over the Egyptian plateau. Stories of unexplainable finds, many of which have simply vanished, all have continued to be ignored throughout the years. The several centimeters of ancient sea salt, sediment quietly removed from the lower chambers of Cheops, chambers eventually dug out of the sands of Giza in the early 1900s. There are literally endless theories and rumors which surround this tiny concentrated area of the Egyptians' ancient wonders. There lay countless awe-inspiring sights to be seen, all equally unexplainable over the Egyptian plateau. And the discoveries of ancient tombs is not an uncommon occurrence. And although our next area of interest may be of no exception, it is in its characteristics. The outer layers of this tomb was made up of megalithic blocks of gigantic proportions, far greater than anyone can yet explain how these stones were moved, carved, and perfectly placed atop one another all over antiquity. Yet what these stones indicate is one of two things, either the occupant of the tomb that has now been conveniently easily identified and named as that of Queen Kentakuis III's was indeed an Egyptian queen. BBC News states, quote, The tomb was found in Abu Sir, southwest of Cairo, and is thought to belong to the wife or mother of Pharaoh Neferefri, who ruled 4,500 years ago. Egyptian antiquities minister Mamdo El Damidi said that her name, Kentakuis, had been found inscribed on a wall in the necropolis. Mr. Damidi added that this would make her Kentakuis III. The tomb was discovered in Pharaoh Neferefri's funeral complex. Yet, as mentioned, this tomb in particular pricked our interest due to its megalithic nature. This so-called identified queen was again either a legitimately aged 4,000-year-old mummy who used a structure already in existence, or what might make her discovery incredibly special is that she could, in fact, 
be a true descendant of a now lost civilization who were indeed capable of these incredible and as yet unexplainable feats found all over ancient Egypt. Regardless of opinions, we find the facts surrounding her tomb, and indeed her possible true origins, highly compelling. There are many unique ancient megastructures that can be found all over the world, with Japan being no exception. However, interestingly, some of these extremely ancient earthworks cannot be found anywhere else on Earth. Known as a Kufan, these unique yet highly recognizable shaped earthworks, translated as meaning ancient mound tomb or ancient grave in Japanese, we feel could quite possibly also be found upon Mars. Not only could, but may have already been located and identified. Of course, without actually visiting the planet, we cannot confirm this beyond doubt. Yet the similarities between these two locations is unquestionably compelling. The best known Kofun within Japan is known as the Dyson Kofun, approximately 500 meters long and 300 meters across at its widest point. It is an enormous ancient structure with the entire tomb perimeter measuring in at 840 meters long. Enclosed by three moats, the mound rises approximately 35 meters above the surrounding terrain. The inner moat is the widest at approximately 60 meters, with the entire mound being approximately 100,000 square meters in area, and the entire tomb some 460,000 square meters. Today, the tomb is off-limits, protected by the Imperial Household Agency in the center of Sakai City. The moats are maintained and provide a sanctuary for fish and water birds. Although, conveniently, the mound itself has been left completely overgrown by vegetation. This, regardless of the risk of deterioration by the roots of trees, along with the additional point of them being tourist attractions, one has to wonder whether this deliberate choice to leave them completely obscured by trees is actually an attempt to conceal their shape from the rest of the world. Why leave such clearly important ancient structures engulfed in trees, with root systems left to flourish that are notorious for destroying ancient structures? Why make such a decision if they were not indeed attempting to conceal these enigmatic earthworks? We strongly suspect, although with only circumstantial evidence of course, that a lost civilization, possibly a mother civilization of Earth, will one day be confirmed upon Mars. It continues to be a puzzling question as to why some of the most ancient ruins on Earth are also seemingly the most advanced. Is this fact suggestive of intercontinental travel? Possibly are highly advanced ancient ancestors having built such awe-inspiring structures upon their arrival to our planet after traveling here from Mars? Could there possibly be ancient Kofuns, and indeed other ancient structures and tombs, still left upon the Red Planet, waiting to be rediscovered, waiting to inform our modern civilization of another chunk of human history? Why are these enigmatic, iconic ancient Kofuns only found within Japan? Why does this anomaly on Mars look exactly like one? Why do the Japanese continue to conceal the Kofun's true shape beneath dense tree lines.
we find all of these suspicious factors highly compelling. Next on my little list, the list. I don't know how this woman's really on about, to be honest with you, this next one. She's trying to do something with a bloody, um, you know, like a, yeah, the inside of a paper towel, I guess. Comment wavelengths. Resonate, not frequency. So she's going into wavelengths that resonate and not frequency. This is sloppy language. Media uh, dynamic. Whatever the resonant wavelength, the according frequency, if it is repeating and not a single pulse, will depend on the properties of the communicating medium. Density, elasticity, etc. Tesla's misdirection to suppress natural facts which he claimed as intellectual property says with us stays with us today okay all right a little bit as confusing as what she's going to go on about a little bit here but i sort of get the gist of where she's going so the other day i was holding a tube and i thought to myself i could find the resonant frequency of this tube by singing into it but something super weird happened there were some notes I could not sing, where my voice just cracked. So you know how sometimes when you blow into a bottle, you can get it to whistle? The note that it whistles is the natural frequency of the space inside of the bottle. Most things have natural frequencies. Something notable about natural frequencies is that if you push something at its natural frequency, it'll have a huge response. It'll resonate. Now, I thought if you sing into a tube at its resonant frequency, it should get loud. It should suddenly resonate. What I didn't expect was the total inability to sing that note. What's going on is that your vocal cords or your vocal folds are dealing with the pressure pushing back from the tube. And that push is very different below the resonant frequency at resonance and above resonance. But force isn't the only factor. Well, there you go. If you can make sense of that, good on you. <laughs> Uh, don't exactly know where she was going. Check your okay, now having heard of all this, I think this is more over to the Americans. It might cover a few other countries, but um, she goes for a minute. At yeah, I, I come across and I thought, oh well, she said something about checking insurance policies. So, get a bit of overworked and underpaid for. I tell you. I ever worked and under bloody paid, mate. All right, let's see what she's got to say. I'm sure it'll be important. Policies. Listen to this. This is something that made me go, hmm. As you may know, I have had my insurance license in the state of California for over a decade. And when I was reviewing policies for 2024, I noticed this new exclusion. Look here, this is under exclusions and expenses not covered on a 2024 Cigna health policy. Treatment of an injury or sickness, which is due to war, declared or undeclared, riot or insurrection. This is not typical. This is an insurance policy from United last year for 2023. And the language typically reads like this, what happens with my coverage under extraordinary circumstances. And it says in cases of disaster, epidemic, war, riot, insurrection, that they will do their best to provide the services you need. But now take a look at United's 2024 health insurance policy, another exclusion, T, war. We do not cover an illness, treatment, or medical condition due to war, declared, 
declared or undeclared. Cigna United aren't the only ones that have changed their language, excluding war from their policies. Anthem has also done this. And it just makes you wonder, why in the world would that be the case? Hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. <sighs> now, what have we got here? Fluoride makes your body absorb extra aluminium. Where does that aluminium go, one may ask? The brain. The brain. What metal shows up alarmingly in the brains of Alzheimer's victims? You got it. Lock it in, Eddie. You guessed it. I don't have to tell you. I don't think I have to tell you the answer to that one. Fluoride in our water supply is poison. That's right. Do it I had to realize that fluoridation was a problem. One of the first things I did is I looked at my tube of toothpaste. It says drug facts. I know it's a drug. If I were to give it to you, it'd have to be a prescription. That's for swallowing. When it comes to toothpaste, it also says don't swallow. And if you do swallow, contact the poison control center. Well, the amount of fluoride that they're talking about is a pea-sized amount of fluoride. You probably don't see that in, in, in advertisements, a pea-sized amount of fluoride. Usually when I see an advertisement, it looks more like a Dairy Queen ice cream cone. <laughs> that amount is a quarter milligram of fluoride. Well, that's the same amount of fluoride as what we find in eight ounces of water. Quarter milligram of fluoride, quarter milligram of fluoride, don't swallow. If you do, call the poison control center. <laughs> even I use herbal toothpaste. I don't even put that much on. I think it's vile. I, I usually put a little bit on the end, like a pea size, and um, dip it in with some bicarbonated soda. Or I get some coconut. That's right. bit lardish, bit solidish coconut oil. In a fairly half-decent cool spot, so it goes a bit solid. Scoop a bit out on the toothbrush and away you go. One of the best things to restore your teeth as well. And it's an antibacterial. <whistles> yeah! I'm going to read you some articles, some quick ones, if I can get them out, alright? This is Clown World. Turn this down a little bit. See if we can get this going here. All right. The WEF is preparing for disease X. The World Health Organization has issued recent. Paris Hilton has missing dog cloned into two new dogs. Hertz rental giant to sell 20,000 EVs in shift back to gas-powered cars. The ultimate virtue signaling, Sagra Khan, Racked up 80,000 air miles last year. Hmm. Save the planet, eh? Clown world. Report army staff baffled by sharp decline in white recruits in the last five years. Former Trump medical advisor is slammed for campaigning long COVID to HIV. The US debt is now $34 trillion. Don't worry, seriously. Fiscal's hawks who... Oh, 
a diet rich in vegetables, legumes and nuts, and now in dairy and meat may help keep COVID at bay. TikTokers burst into tears after strangers refused to offer her to pay for their groceries. Clown world. Clown world. Hey, how you going, Rocking? Right. Truck driver discovers a mass underground hidden food facility. That's right. An insider. Oops, excuse me. Belched. Belch burp. Moonshine was really banned because the petro dollar knew that it could actually power cars, I reckon. I reckon they'd be pretty bloody close to it, mate. Because you could run freaking tractors, vehicles, and all sorts of things on it. Uh, for Wilson Logistics, um, this more that. Was, uh, was assigned to us from Kraft over at the Kraft uh, Foods plant. And we're delivering it here to what's called the Springfield Underground. And that is, as you can see behind me, this giant giant cave that's big enough to house hundreds of these trucks and trailers there's a train track running through here just to give you an idea back here there's a regular sized truck see how tall that is up there um it's just incredible anyway having a great time learning lots talk to you soon dumbs they are found all around the world they found food and drink hidden by the cabal for consumption that could feed the whole world for the next 150 years. 14.2 billion tonnes of high-quality food that have been analysed. The samples did not contain toxic substances that are normally released in the general population. Deep underground military bases. Dumbs. This is Christine Grady. Ever heard of her? Well, well, who is Christine Grady, I wonder? She is the head of NIH Bioethics. They are the company that approves drugs for the FDA. But guess what? Guess who her husband is? Fauci! Wow, what a bloody coincidence, eh? Just a small world. After all, just a small world. Eh? Wouldn't you know it? Wouldn't you know it? Dirty little cockroaches. Ooh, I can't stand the look of that freaking feral freak. Oh, tell ya. Oh, I'm gonna get there. Stay calm, Oz. Zen. Zen. Serenity now. Serenity now. So this video is for you guys. This next clip I'm about to show is from a former CIA agent, Robert David Steele. That the totality of the children disappearing worldwide is toward 8 million people. Oh, actually, I think I played this one last night. There's a couple on here I thought I'd played. I reckon this was one of them, the other one before. All right, I'll play it again. It only goes for a minute, and it's really worth hearing again anyway. It was just 
vile as it is. Over 8 million children. In the United States of America, the acknowledged number, not counting the children being bred without birth certificates, not counting the children being imported without documentation, is between 600 and 800,000 a year. Now imagine Africa and East Asia and all these other locations. I personally believe that the number we want to try to document is rising well beyond the official figures, and we will we have yet to learn what the actual number is, okay? The other working assumption is how long do these children survive within this system? What I am hearing from the witnesses that I've talked to is two years. It may be longer. It may be four years. It may be six years, but... And unsurprisingly, Robert David Steele died not too long after making that video. I can't be the only one noticing a pattern here, and if you're not going to believe someone that used to work for the CIA, who are you going to believe? Are you going to wait for the news to come out and tell you this? Because they're not going to. That's right. They ain't going to tell you. Robert David Steele passed away. We don't have any more details than that at the moment. However, I will say that they probably killed him by giving him a heart attack. His stance on pedophilia and work, um, and work to out the truth on the um, on that would be the main reason. Oh, it's a bit, <laughs> a bit funny word of there. That would be yeah, I got, sort of got it. The deep state would target him. RobertDavidSteele.com. Hmm. Not sure. It hasn't actually got a date when this happened. Um, hmm. I gather it must have been fairly recent. See beyond the veil. So, no, I'm not going to click on that because that'll take me back to someone else. I've got no idea what this one was. Obviously, it must have been for me. I've come across it, but I've got... So I'm going to go and just press the button. don't know where this one's going to go. I've got a feeling it's about ancient um, Tartaria or the 1800s of um, power that we actually did have back then. I've got a feeling, just a little feeling. Let's see. Blimps in... The Ah oh, yeah. This is Blimps in the Belfry, but I don't know if it's gonna talk. It goes for ten minutes, I reckon it kicks in. I think this is to do with um either Mercury or that other one. Um shit, what's the name of it now? Merc is it Mercury? Let's see, I'll forward it a bit. See this. Oh, here we go. He's going to talk. We have also noticed that churches and older structures around Scandinavia, and the rest of the world for that matter, all have large open belfries, but with no bells in them. They also seem to have human-sized arches and platforms much like old skyscrapers and towers such as the Empire State Building and the Eiffel Tower. They have them very near the top. Is it possible both questions have the same simple answer? As always, the topics we touch on in our videos are our own musings and should be taken as such. Do your own research and come to your own conclusions. There was obviously something in the skies that they didn't want us to see. That's right. I brought this up the other night. Ah, this is freaking, um, 
what do you call it, uh, synchronicity. I think it was only last night I was talking about this. Well, there you go. Didn't know I was going to go into this, but yeah, I was brought that up about what are they doing? Everything else is in every order, but you look at a lot, just about all these old photos, the sky's been black, definitely black, blackened out or whited out. Why? What were they hiding up there? I reckon they were hiding blimps. I really do. Flying were machines. Place atmospheric anomalies that would seem strange to us today? Were there literally no clouds or sun? I brought up as well the other night, if no one caught that episode. Remember that um, recently, the last week or two, these freaking um, jellyfish float flying around all over the bloody place. I come across a, a painting that they're not sure on the artist. It was a, a thousand-year-old painting of Christ on the cross. And I kid you not, on either side of him is a freaking flying jellyfish. No shit. No shit. And there was a crop circle, a jellyfish freaking crop circle, just before all this happened as well. What's going on with the bloody jellyfish? They're bloody flying around. There was another reported one I read in, oh God, it was the early 1900s. It was from a newspaper article about this bloody thing in England, this flying thing behind a plane, jellyfish thing. Very weird shit, guys. Very, very weird. Were there flying rainbow unicorns? Probably not. But what if the skies were full of airships? This might sound absurd at first, but consider this. All of the old world maps made by the early to late 1500 cartographers are in perfect proportions with modern maps that are allegedly done by aerial photography and satellite imagery. They even have major and minor rivers mapped out in dense, impenetrable jungle and forest regions. They even have coastlines and areas mapped out in places we had allegedly never even discovered or explored at that time. way this could be done is from the air. You would need a craft that can go slow enough to map out the terrain, fly high enough for area perspective, and low enough to see details. You would also need a whole fleet of these to map out the whole world. But where would you keep or more them? In the 1500s? One possible answer lies in the larger antique buildings and churches here in Copenhagen, and actually in other cities on every continent around the world. If you're new to Tatarian mud flood research, there is mounting evidence that most of these old buildings are much, much older than the late 17 or 1800s, as is claimed by lamestream history. Possibly hundreds of years older. Oh, actually, this goes for 11 minutes. Oh, I didn't realise. I thought it was only about four or five. Oh, right. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, six. Uh, right, we've still got about just over six minutes left. I'm going to play the whole lot. Stop it. That's what I'm going to do. As you can see from these images, all of these older buildings and churches have basically the same mechanical structures on their roofs, albeit in many differing designs. The aerial, the ball, 
the 360 degree openings or sometimes the fenced off landing platforms. Welcome JX. We call these towers belfries, yet strangely most of them have no bells or even the mechanical framework to hang them on. Why would this design of towers be universal across the country and as you will see later on also across the world? Did these people have bats in their belfries? This might cut out for a sec. I just want to try something. I, I was just thinking of something I want to experiment with. So if it cuts out, hey, welcome to the room, Adrian. Just going to try something here. Or did they have blimps on their belfries? The largest ah, and most important works. buildings in these cities Aha. have the most mooring points on them. We should have known this for various room. size airships and would be obvious recognizable landmarks for inbound pilots. Ooh. We can imagine several different scenarios. Hey, welcome to the room. Large um, with many passengers and large would unload on the ground, and then pilots and crew hey. would moor the ship on the tower. I'll tell you what. Disembark via a gangplank. I'll tell you as what. Seeing that we got a little bit of a um, a gathering. Shit. Oh, uh -oh, that's what I didn't want though. No, we don't want Maccas. Ah, come on, man. Now I've got to find this thing. I had it all worked out and all planned really good. Damn. Now, skip you, you little rat. Now, what I was going to say before I was rudely macadrupted is that I've got about um, six minutes of this, and I'm just going to continue on. Oh, I just missed someone. But if you'd like to call in, you're most welcome to call in. You can. It's about anything. My last bit of my show, half an hour or so, is for you guys out there. Your platform, I pay the bills. <laughs> so take advantage of it, you know what I mean? You might know a good podcast you want to um, talk about, or you might want to ring up and, um, I don't know, blow my trumpet. <laughs> you never know anything's possible, you know what I mean? Oh, was you great man, you... Something like that, without the squeaky sounds, I guess you could call it. Or you might like to do what Roy had done and call in and explain to me how you don't understand me because <laughs> i don't speak english well because she's from iranian that was an interesting conversation that one i tell you oh well she was a bubbly one that one i thought she was only about 14 anyway guys i'm going to continue this i'm going to have a quick break and um when this is finished so in about eight minutes um yeah i'll, I'll come back after you'll hear us i'll play a song and then we'll bloody kick it in if not i'm going to continue for the Midnight to the midnight hour. <coughs> Another scenario would be the bus stop analogy, where certain passengers would disembark down a gangplank through the tower and the airship could move on quickly to the next destination. If we look at these towers, there is always a large antenna with a ball, perfect for mooring and keeping the ship tethered. As no one can predict the direction of the wind, it would make sense to have multiple openings 360 degrees around the tower, as they all do. Most of these towers have a smaller top belfry with windows too small to walk through, but perfect for a landing technician for sighting and mooring. If this theory is correct, then we can also see that it wasn't just the largest and most important buildings that had this technology but private residences also had mooring points for smaller airships on their roofs. 
There is a theory that these buildings doubled as atmospheric energy harvesters. And for all we know, they were also recharging these airships while moored. And that this free energy technology may be part of the reason they could be hiding the existence of these once commonplace airships. I heard a conspiracy one. I don't know if it was actually on this little documentary um, about why they got rid of them, how they made the scare tactics, the... Um, it all goes back around the Wright brothers, I think, and um, the, the petroleum industry, petrol. Yeah, there was a big conspiracy theory actually all about it, the, why they got rid of the airships. They had to scare people, but they're actually very good environmentally and all these other things, apart from the, what is it called, Bilderberg, Blitzberg, freaking Which brings us to structures such as the Eiffel Tower, the Blackpool Tower, and the thousands of other towers around the world. Also with platforms, mooring architecture, and possible atmospheric harvesting technology. See, what they do, they come up with it and dock the nose of the blimps onto the, um, onto the top of these things. That's how they used to dock them, apparently. Uh, thanks, Phil. As John Levi points out, most of our train stations seem to have pointless high hanger-shaped roofs and open halls, unless in fact that's exactly what they were, airship hangars and airports with connecting hubs to trains. Tesla today, you will get Elon Musk and his energy and resource guzzling <coughs> electric cars, and very little on the electrical genius who was Nikola Tesla, as if he is being deliberately deleted from history. Wouldn't he be rolling in his grave, these bastards that are calling these new cars Teslas? <gasps> oh, what blasphemy, man. What a hide, these dirty dogs. Wow, man, he would be turning in his grave. Airships used to be called Zephyrs, and just like today, the Zephyr. Rockefeller, Ford, Vanderbilt, oil, steel, and railroad barons started naming cars and trains Zephyr. They actually bought out a train. Um, I'm not sure if it was Germany, but it was around. I'm pretty sure the Second World War. But they had a. They turned it was a it was a a plane train. Don't know if anyone's ever seen that. Fascinating looking thing. It actually had a propeller on it, like a plane. Um, yeah, the old planes with the propeller on the front nose. Bloody trip of a bloody thing. Apparently it was really economic as well. Just as petroleum-based ground travel starts replacing air travel. This amazing green, clean, quiet mode of travel was obviously not profitable to the oil barons and needed to go. These airships were actually still quite commonplace, even in the early 1900s, as we can see here. As we know, alcohol prohibition... Yes, yeah, see, that's what I just said. They actually had one literally on photograph docking, like I said, right on the nose of these um, 
you know, like the Eiffel Tower sort of buildings and stuff like that. Yeah, just docking there. So there you go. It was really about removing natural plant-based fuels like ethanol. Oh, that's right. That was what was just brought up in the room. That's what I just said. Yeah. Okay, I'll just go back a bit. <laughs> Funny, we just mentioned that. It's obviously not profitable to the oil barons and needed to go. These airships were actually still quite commonplace even in the early 1900s, as we can see here. As we know, alcohol prohibition was really about removing natural plant-based fuels like ethanol, so that the automotive industry mm -hmm. had to rely on profitable big oil for fuel. But how would you eliminate your biggest competitors that can fly without the use of petroleum-based fuel? Scare them. By scaring the shit out of everyone to ever set foot on one of these airships again. False flag, anyone? single-handedly ended the passenger airship industry. How convenient. Getting back to the 1800s and the blanked out sky photographs. Welcome. There is a very curious anomaly when we watch the alleged footage of the Wright brothers' first flight in 1903. You would think that if you were watching the first ever manned airplane flight, still thought to be impossible at the time, and the greatest achievement in history, you would be watching intently with a look of wonderment on your face, not wanting to miss a single second. But like the Zapruder film also shows people looking uninterested in any direction but the most popular president in history's motorcade, the Wright brothers' spectators seem to be equally disinterested and unenamored. Hey, Bob, let's go grab some lunch while these guys try to get... Isn't that funny? Um, I hadn't seen all this one, and they just brought up exactly for pretty much in order what we were just talking about in the room before with that um, with King King dude. <laughs> what a bloody trip! That's bloody synchronicity for you, man. That wooden contraption off the ground. While there is a theory out there that says that entire flight was faked Hollywood-style production using models, another explanation could be that it was actually commonplace to see flying machines in the sky and therefore no big deal to see a several hundred foot low altitude flight. Musings or not, the evidence seems to point in this direction. Were we flying across the Atlantic in the 14 or 1500s, as the old maps seem to suggest? Why did they blur out the skies in the 1800s? Why are there no bells in the so-called belfries? And how the hell did they get that up there? Ah, <laughs> uh, how you going? Yeah, call on in. Hey, welcome to Strange Days. Didn't see who it is. Woody. Hey, how you going, Woody? Yeah, I answered it. I'd, yeah, it's open lines. This is just about to end anyway, too. If not... I'm I just going to have a quick song because I need to get a cuppa. Hey, MD. Mate. How you going? Hello, MD. You're live. Hello. Well, there, oh. Hello. There we go. That's better. I can hear you. How can you doing? Can you hear me? I can hear you, yeah. Hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you, yes. Well, I'll just get my headphone, mate. You might not be able to hear me. Well, that, I usually do this when I talk. Oh, thank God. Well, there, buddy. I'll just get my headphone and we'll be 
we'll be cruising. There we go. There you go. And can you hear me good now? Yes, good. Where are you from, MD? First time caller, long time listener. It's Bangladesh. Where, where, where are you from? Bangladesh. Bangladesh. Oh, yeah. Nice one. I'm from, yeah. a, I'm from Australia. Nice to meet you. I'm Muslim. I'm Muslim. Did you have anything you'd like to bring up in particular? It's a Palestinian justice. Yep, I bring that up on my shows, yep. Yes. What you playing? What sort of music's that? That sounds like... Sazan. Is that, Sazan. Is that Aramaic? Sorry? Is that Aramaic, the language in the background there? Uh. Okay, I will leave this now. Okay, then. See you tomorrow. Yeah, thanks for calling in. Okay, you take care. All right. Be safe. Be yeah. safe. Oh, always, man. Always safe. Don't worry Thank about you. that. Thank you. All right, all right. All right, blessings, man. You take care. I'm going to play a song, and then I'll see if anyone else wants to call in, okay? I just need to grab myself a quick cuppa. All right. Inshallah, inshallah. Okay, shalom. Right, so we're going to play a little song here and um, we'll kick it off, I reckon, with another call-in. If not, I'm going to continue. I'm at 20 past. So, oh, yeah, I've done pretty well. I nearly wrapped it up at the 15. Um, yeah, mate, well, you might have to drop down. Do you want me to just kick you? I can do that. I'll get more fun out of that, actually. Wait, let me see if I can do it. Block, kick. No, I can't. I don't want to block you. Oh, damn. I can't kick you. Oh, I thought I could bloody kick you. Ah, no fun in that. You might have to drop down or put yourself on mute if you don't know how to do it. Just hit that little button on the second one down the bottom right in the little microphone. Hit that. I can't hear you anyway, really. It's not going to sound too good if you're playing Aramaic when I'm going to play a little bit of Across the Universe. This is it. There we go. That's the way. All right. So what we're going to play from a movie called Across the Universe. Great movie if you like the Beatles, that is. If you don't, well, you probably won't like the movie. Yeah, it's a bit of a soundtracky sort of thing. It's these young young people. I think they do a bloody fantastic job. So I'm going to play a song from the movie. That's what I'm going to do. And then we'll have a call in line. I just need to grab a freaking get this kettle going and get myself a nice coffee. We have a call in. If not, I'm going to keep on going.
Hey, welcome all. Open lines. Yeah, I'm back. I'm just playing this song, and then I'm going to get back into a, some more of my show. But if you'd like to call in, we've got 40 minutes to go. Bit of a rhyme there, actually. I'm just brewing a bit of a coffee in the background here. Don't mind the whistles. And they've got the old pot, the whistling pot. <sighs> so, okay. And she's a boiled. Ah, oh, fork you. I cooked up the two of the best lamb cheeks and bloody baked potatoes today with some bloody garlic and onion. Mm. Bit of rosemary. Oh, Jesus. Nectar of the gods, man. Nectar of the gods. Who will take me out next week? Oh, they're doing their theatrics now. All right. Oh, yeah, man. I haven't had them for eight. I've been on the lamb the last week, man. I've been having lamb um, cutlets. Oh, you know, even not crumbed, you know. Usually a crumb them over here, but yeah. Oh, man. I bought this little, I bought this stove. It's that small. I just fit, just fit two full lamb chops. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, what I talked about. <laughs> Bloody um, lamb shanks. Quite a big size ones too, actually. Um, I got one, two, three, six potatoes, nice size, bloody big baked potatoes, and um, an onion, nice big onion cut in half, and about I don't know eight eight cloves of garlic. Whoa, the bloody and the juices was coming out of it. I done it for three hours, man. The thing just fell apart off the bone. Ah, bloody hell! Yeah, I done it. I actually done a pretty pretty high for the first bit and then I turned it right down to about 100 175ish and just let it yeah cook for 2 hours like that and whew, bloody hell man crunchy potatoes a bit of a crunch on the crackling and all ah oh, man it was the best freaking best bloody cook of this time this side of the mississippi man I should be in a bloody restaurant I used to actually work at a bit of a restaurant years ago actually funny that I think I can cook <laughs> I used to be able to cook since I was a kid you know I think my first thing I ever cooked was, um, I was about 11, I think, 10, no, about 11. My dad was a chef, actually, and my nan helped me. She she taught me a lot. Yeah, I was always grew up around cooking. Yeah. Hey, you're back, MD. How you going? You missed me, did you? Hey, you missed the old Oz man. You come back. Hey, how you going, Paul? Yeah, MD's trying to call in, mate. Oh, look at the rooms filling up now. <laughs> I've got about 35 minutes to go, 40 minutes. All right, what have we got here? Yeah, 35 minutes to go. So I've got a bit of an open line, but I can, I've can got stuff to play as well. We just had MD call in. I forget where he was from, actually. Um, oh, I can't remember where he was from now. Well, one of those countries. I think he was playing Aramaic, Aramaic music in the background or something. Yeah, he just tried to call in again. I think he missed me. As long as he doesn't ask for money or a wife, mate, where everything goes pretty smoothly here. But, yeah, it's when they start asking for money and wives. So things get a little bit ugly. Oh, there's me little whistle. See? Dodger, old school. I've got the studio set up here, guys, because I've got me little kettle. I've got a gas freaking like a cooker. This gas burner's the best, man. It's not just your typical flat one. This one's got like a, looks like a shoebox on top. 
and you can actually flip the bloody thing over in winter or in the shower, you know, not, not in the shower, of course, but in your shower area, and you can use it as a bloody heater. What a freaking... I got it on eBay, actually. Yeah, you can pick them up on there. Oh, they're worth it, man. I'll just get little canisters and throw them in there. They're great, man. I'd rather cook, like, gas is so much quicker, you know, to get the bloody kettle going. <clears throat> Especially the amount of freaking teas I have during the bloody day. Yeah, no power, man. These gas canisters last quite some time. I've got about freaking 30 of the buggers. <clears throat> yeah, I'm all set, man. I've gas everywhere here for, you know. Will can pretty much go to shit and I'll just shut my door, shut my gates. got everything freaking set up here. That's for bloody sure. I'm going to get this, um, you can get night vision bloody glasses, you know, when you take a picture on the Apple phones and that, and you can see it like light outside. That's going to be cool. I'm going to get one of them. So I won't even need a torch in the dark. I can just use that, walk around with that up against my eye. <laughs> be bloody stealth in my little camo suit. Bloody hell. Let's go over to neighbor's place and knock off some sheep. All right, let's get back onto this on track here. I'm losing it a little bit. Oh, I'll come to the end. Oh, wow, what a, what a trip. What a bloody trip. Joseph Farrell, Secrets of the Third Reich. I don't know about that one. See, this is the, this is another folder I don't usually go into. This is the stuff that I don't usually share, so I'll just see if there's something that might pass a sharing. This one was a freaky bloody thing I'd come across today, actually. This one's from India. They uncovered this ship. I'm going to have to try and post it in bloody... Um, if it's not too long, I'll try and put it in the bloody... Um, over freaking Discord. I'll show you this thing they found. Wait, they don't look like the same. If it's not... If I haven't got a video one, this will trip you out. I'm just trying to find if I've got a picture of it here, actually. Mm -hmm. oh, damn it, it's in video format. Ah, it's too long to share. One minute and three. I don't think it's going to go through. I'll, I'll try and bloody send it through if I can. Right, I'm going to try and send it over now to bloody Discord. If it goes through, this will trip you out, man. Uh, share, 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 share. Where's the share button here? Wait till you see this if it goes through, man, what they found. Freaking looks like a spaceship, man. It's huge. Um, Discord. That's the problem with Discord, man. You can't share freaking hardly anything big. That's all like Telegram, man. You can share freaking gigabytes if you want. Now, get over to Telegram, guys, if you want some real real serious stuff. Can't share nothing on this stupid platform. I hate it, man. I'm only on there for you guys. It annoys the crapper out of me. Anyway, I'll send it through if it goes through. It goes through. Probably won't. Oh, it's sort of going. It's going, it's halfway. Oh, it might bloody make it. Okay, I'll just let that go. No. Oh. Well, we'll just come back and have a look. I'm not going to sit here looking at the freaking thing going around. Yeah, but this thing's really trippy, eh? Hey? It looks like some sort of bloody spacecraft, man. Never seen nothing like it. It's, it looks like it's made out of stone, though. I don't know, bloody <laughs> bizarre, man. Real bizarre. There's not, nothing to actually say much about it on here. It's, um... Yep, didn't go through. Oh, got bloody close, man. Far out. It got all the way around to 10 o'clock and then the thing... <laughs> bloody stupid app. I hate that freaking thing with a passion, man. All right. Let's go back. Like I said, I don't usually go into this folder. Voyager to the Inner World. 
A Voyage to the Inner World is a book presented as a true account written by Willis George Emerson in 1908, which describes the adventures of Olaf Jensen, a Norwegian sailor who sailed with his father through an entrance to the Earth's um, interior at the North Pole. Now, I've got the book on this um, that's called The Smoking God, if anyone's ever heard of that. Fascinating story. I think they actually went missing for two years. And they swear that it, this is the North Pole, not the South. We hear just about everything about the South Pole, you know, woo-hoos and all that sort of crazy stuff. Um, did you hear about that Marley Moore in uh, Miami, that um, the coordinates, if you flip them over, that they actually line up with Antarctica? What a trip that is, man. Especially when Emerald Bird went there and talked about these tall beings and the new, a whole new like civilization advanced and all this other crazy stuff. Well, anyway, these guys went north and they went missing for two years. I've got the book, actually, if anyone wants it. I don't think I can send it through Discord because it might be too big. But um, let's see. I think I might have a bit of a video clip about it here, actually. Um, I'm surprised they, I'm surprised they didn't actually mention the book because they wrote a book about it called The Smoke, the Smoky God. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure they actually called the God... Um, Yahweh actually or Jehovah I'm not sure which they used but I'm pretty sure it was Yahweh or Jehovah that their God was in this realm as well which is interesting to the Israelites and stuff like that alright let's have a look at this if it talks I haven't seen the video clip on this theme parks and amusement park rides always remind me of myths and legends Particularly oh. about inner earth. Oh, this goes for bloody 46 minutes. Or right, I'll give you a taste. I might even, if it's worthy, um, I'm, I'm at the 133 mark. So if anyone would like to call in, you know, you've got half an hour. If not, I'll just, I'm going to play about seven minutes of this and just see where it goes. It might be worth actually publishing as a full thing for the time. I haven't, I haven't heard it myself. Episode, I want to give this one a try. Oh, is that some fun part? Where's this? Holy shit. Oh, man, some of the roller coasters and stuff at parks these days are bloody insane, aren't they? Hey, have you seen that one that, that they drop? It's in America, I think. You, you sit in this thing and it just drops, like, through the, the floor. This guy, I seen one last year, and, and he, he goes to him, like, as he's doing it, he goes, Oh, oh, your seatbelt. And he drops them. And all you can hear all the way down the bucket. He's just this, ah, like this. He goes, oh, check manual. Oh, wait there, guys. Oh, and he hits the button. He freaking, all these people are freaking just, I'm surprised no one died of it. I would have went up there and freaking bopped him on the nose, man. People took it pretty good. But, man, I would have freaked you out, eh? Oh, she just grabbed that seatbelt. And, and he hits the button. <laughs> You know, all you can hear is these people with their death screams like, ah, freaking hell. It'd be crazy enough without that, man. What a minor for you. That cheeky bugger. It'd be like if you're going to bungee jump. Oh, wait there, it's not tied yet. Ah, ah shit.
I seen this Chinese one the other day. He's up like, you know, like a Himalaya sort of thing. And there's this pretty freaky. And it's, I think it was like a stunt thing. And there's a bridge, but like we really wide um, wooden planks. So you've got to really step across, sort of run across. And I have a, a line that goes across the top and you're attached to that in case, you know, a lot of people fall and shit. And this guy, as he got to the last one, he just got jumps onto the edge and the thing wasn't even tied on. <laughs> it just it was just sort of hanging over the freaking thing on top. And it's like shit. <laughs> if he'd have fallen, he was gone, you know. Okay, I'm gonna forward this a bit. Bloody listen to the bloody What's this? The theme park sign. Come on, man, get to the bloody from the Lofoden Islands. Oh, now we're going to see. Oh, I'm just going to listen from here. Declining years had sought an asylum of restful peace in sun-favored California. I will undertake to make public his story. Oh, the go. author goes on to say that through his publication, Olaf Jensen made the startling announcement that God created the earth for the within. That is to say, the interior of the planet is not simply comprised of a solid mantle but littered with vast expanses of caverns containing lands, seas, rivers, mountains. Welcome to the room, um, Asiama, Ed, Edmund. It is an open line. You're most welcome to call in, share where you're from, uh, and you've got a show going or anything or uh, a concern. If you're like slashing your wrist or something, you can come and talk to Dr. Oz, and um, we might be able to get through this night together rich, dense forests and valleys, while the outside surface of the earth is merely the veranda, the porch, where in comparison things grow sparsely, like the lichen on the mountainside, clinging determinately for bare existence. Of course, most people immediately question the scientific validity of such a claim, asking, where would the light come from for plants to grow? Phosphorus. Where would the oxygen come from? to sustain life and if populated Plants. by people which Olaf also claims what sustenance would be available to these alleged subterranean inhabitants I will address these questions later on in this presentation according to Olaf Jansen in the beginning this world was created solely for the within or inner world where the four lost rivers of the Garden of Eden the Euphrates the Pison Within, um, outside of, outside of within. Wow. Stand there on the outside looking in. Oh, oh, oh dear. The Gion and the Hickadel are allegedly located. These same names of rivers, when applied to the streams on the outside surface of the earth, are according to Olaf, purely traditional and stem from an antiquity beyond the memory of man. Oh, as above, so below. I've always thought that than the stars. I always thought, is it below down there? As above up here, below down there? Whoa, there's a bit of a dot connector. Some of the rivers within, Olaf Jensen claims, are larger than the Mississippi and Amazon rivers combined. Bloody hell. In point of volume of water carried, Indeed, their greatness is occasioned oh. by their width and depth. Imagine, the, than their imagine how clear they be. And it's at the wow, mouth of these wow, mighty wow. rivers as they flow northward and southward along the inside surface of the earth that mammoth icebergs are found, some of them 15 and 20 miles wide Jeez. and from 40 to 100 miles in length. 
Olaf Jensen asserts that, in the beginning, the world was created by the great architect of the universe, so that man might dwell on its inside surface, which has ever since been the habitation of the, quote, chosen. Bloody they hell. were driven out of the internal Garden of Eden and brought their traditional history with them. Allegedly, the history of the people living within contains a narrative suggesting the story of Noah and the ark which we are familiar with. He allegedly sailed away, as did Columbus, from a certain point to a strange land he had heard of, far to the north, carrying with him all manner of beasts of the field and fowls of the air, but was never heard of afterward, presumably resettling on the surface. In regards to the ancient origin myths of tribes, such as the Hopi Indians, that claim to have emerged from a subterranean habitat to the surface through tunnels emerging inside of the Grand Canyon. The foreword of the book goes on to say, quote, ancient Hindu, Japanese, and Chinese writings, as well as the hieroglyphics of the extinct races of the North American continent, all speak of the custom of sun worshiping. And it is possible in the startling light of Olaf Jansen's revelations that the people of the inner world, lured away by glimpses of the sun as it shone upon the inner surface of the earth, either from the northern or southern opening, became dissatisfied with the smoky god. Oh, the there it is. Pillar or there it is. So you said it. Yeah, it is the same. Yeah, smoky god. That's the book. Actually, the book's called that. I've actually got the book, if anyone wants it on PDF. Yeah, yeah, wow. I didn't think I was going to mention it. You come up with it. Bloody hell. Mother cloud of electricity. And we're... Oh, I hope he just says the name, because I'm sure he said that their god down there or whatever he was up north under. It was really weird, because he said he sailed into the inner earth. I don't know how the hell that worked out geographically. Like, must have been like a pocket, like a water... I'd imagine like a waterfall, you know, but somehow he got back out. So I'm not sure how he got in there. You have to bring up the god's name that they worship. Yeah, their continuously mild and pleasant atmosphere followed the brighter light and were finally led beyond the ice belt and scattered over the outer surface of the earth through Asia, Europe, North America, and later Africa, Australia, and South America. Olaf's accounts claim that he and his father accidentally stumbled into an entrance to the inner earth in the Arctic region and encountered a race of people with great stature or giants. In the foreword, the author postulates that, quote, as we approach the equator, the stature of the human race grows less, but the Patagonians of South America are probably the only Aborigines from the center of the earth who came out through the aperture usually designated as the South Pole, and they are called the giant race. All right, that's it. I'm going to continue this for the next 15 minutes, guys. Now, this is fascinating me again. I bloody, yeah, got the book read it and everything. Bloody hell, this is, I didn't even know I was going to go into this. All right, I actually didn't even pick up on the bloody name. Um, all right, I'm going to publish it, but I'm going to play it for 15 minutes. I've only got a left stuff going on anything else. This is fascinating. I've already covered the topic of giants in prior videos, which I'll leave a link to in the description. That said, here's a quote from the Smoky God describing the inner earth inhabitants. Quote, there was not a single man aboard who would not have measured fully 12 feet in height. They all wore full beards, 
not particularly long, but seemingly short-cropped. They had mild and beautiful faces, exceedingly fair, with ruddy complexions. This is tripping me out. I've never heard of anyone else ever talk about it and how this landed in my lap today. I've got no freaking clue. Actually, I've had it in this archive for a while. I haven't even bothered playing it. Though, so, well, pff, there we go. What a trip. Their hair and beard of some were black, others sandy, and still others yellow. The captain, as we designated the dignitary in command of the great vessel, was fully a head taller than any of his companions. The women averaged from 10 to 11 feet in height. Their features were especially regular and refined, Thank you. while their complexion was of the most delicate tint heightened by a healthful glow. They were richly attired in a costume peculiar to themselves and very attractive. The men were clothed in handsomely embroidered tunics of silk and satin and belted at the waist. They wore knee breeches and stockings of a fine texture. While the Knights in white satin? Hmm, must listen to the words of that song, eh? Their feet were encased in sandals adorned with gold buckles. We early discovered that gold was one of the most common metals known and that it was used extensively in decoration. I never saw such a display of gold. It was everywhere. The door casings were inlaid and the tables were veneered in sheetings of gold. Domes of the public buildings were of gold. It was used most generously in the finishings of the great temples of music. The story concludes after a period of time spent in this subterranean world, leaving through an opening to the surface around Antarctica, where the father died in a storm and the son, though rescued, was thrown into an insane asylum for daring to tell the world about where he and his father had been. While hey, how you going, Russell? Yeah, I just come across this, mate. I've only got um, about 15 minutes to go. And it's the Smoky, it's called The Smoky God is the book. I've never heard anyone actually talk about it before. And, yeah, I was just actually talking about it, and now it's pretty much saying exactly what I was saying about it. Yeah, they went missing up in the North Pole. They reckon they come across this civilization. I think it was two years they went missing, and they come back, and this is a bit of their story. So, yeah, I've only got, yeah, about just over 10, 12 minutes, so I won't have any call-ins, I guess. I'll just play the rest of this. I'm going to publish it because it goes for 45 minutes. Yeah, it's good, to, good to see you, mate. Dismiss the story as fiction. It is hardly alone in its claims of an inhabited underground paradise that has been kept secret from the rest of humanity living on the surface. Which brings us to this very rare and special map printed in 1740 by Matthias Suter, one of the most important and prolific German map publishers of the 18th century. It is of Schlaraffenland, yeah. which is a land of milk and honey a map of a German concept of utopia. The original map from which this engraving was made was supposedly dropped off at Mr. Suter's map shop, left right outside of his door, mysteriously just left there with no further information about it. Wow. For those interested, I go into more detail about this in my book called Gods with Amnesia. That said, this map is not of any known landmass on under, the surface of the earth, it's under earth and has yeah. peculiar writing on it, such as saying the light is the same both day and night. Uh -huh. I would like to now draw your attention to the bottom right-hand portion of the map, 
<laughs> I was just I looking at that. Extraordinarily interesting. Yeah. The writing on it says in German, and I'll translate. Schlaret a utopian map of the newly discovered Schlaraffen land. This land was often spoken of, but never located, and nobody knows where it is. This ridiculous fantasy land is composed of many kingdoms, which have all the different vices of life within them. Utopia this map tabula. was delivered by anonymous authors. Could this so-called fantasy map in actuality, be giving us a clue as to the polar entrance to the inner earth, which piqued the interest of nationalist Germany in the early part of the last century. As you can see, the writing is on what appears to be a large rock or mm. a mountain with four rivers running into it. Could this map be a portion of the inner world? There are numerous myths and legends regarding entrances to inhabited subterranean worlds at the poles. Most taken very seriously. I think that's he's going into the core rock that goes right down to the inner earth. Um, they reckon it's bigger than Everest or something. I think it goes even back to like Odin and all that uh, Valhalla. And uh, there's a lot of things that the northern um, magnetic field and all these sort of aspects. Right. European secret societies of the 19th and 20th centuries. Fascinating. South Africa is renowned for its above-ground beauty, but there are also fascinating mysteries for those who wish to explore underground. The Kangal Caves are located in Western Cape Province of South Africa. They were discovered in 1780 by a local farmer, and the weaving and winding wow. tunnels have helped make these gigantic caverns one of their most famous landmarks. The caves are rich in rock art paintings, stone artifacts and oh man i've i've got to work out how to do all this on rumble or because freaking stupid bloody um exes banned me for life because bloody the other one had freaking that was like five or six bloody years ago still ban me oh yeah open platform now oh, i'm taking over yeah right other cultural materials showing habitation in the caves going back tens of thousands of years Although the extensive system of tunnels and chambers go on for kilometers, only a fraction of this is open to visitors who may proceed into the cave only in groups supervised by a guide. The cave's first official guide, Mr. Johnny Van Wassenaer, allegedly walked for 29 hours upright, trying to find the end of the cave wow. since 1898. He is said to have calculated that he was 25 kilometers I was going to say... Yeah, I was, I was just trying to calculate it then. I was thinking it would be close to bloody 20Ks. Easy. Oh, easy. That long. What would it take me to, to walk 10 kilometres? would probably take two and a half, three hours probably. Three. Oh, he'd probably be more. He'd be more than that. He'd probably be more 50, I reckon. 275 metres underground. Wow. This route trip. apparently followed an underground river. And so far, they're finding more and more caves to support a story that this cave system is an entrance to the inner earth. But for now, it's largely considered a legend. So where the caves actually end is still unknown. What a trip. See, this is the thing that annoys me. They talk about going out to space. 
go and look at this earth. It's, we've got so much here, you know what I mean? It's just bloody incredible. There under the deep seas, man. Oh, bloody hell, it just goes on and on. Mysteries of this planet is just fascinating. H.P. Lovecraft's short story, The Beast in the Cave, is set in Mammoth Cave. The plot involves a man on a tour of the caves who separates from his guide and becomes lost. His torch finally expires, leaving him hopeless of finding any way out. Alone in the pitch dark, he then hears strange sounding footsteps approaching. Thinking it's a lost mountain lion, he desperately throws a stone at the source of the sound. The beast is hit, crumbles on the floor, and the guide eventually finds the protagonist, and together they examine the fallen creature with the guide's torchlight. The creature mutters its last breath, <clears throat> reveals its face, and they discover it's a pale, deformed human who actually had lived in the caves for many years. Located in central Kentucky and covering well over 52,000 acres, the Mammoth Caves were established as a national park in 1941 and as a World Heritage Site in 1981 with a staggering 400 miles of surveyed passageways. Whoa. Mammoth Cave is by far the world's longest known cave system. 400 miles, guys. That's over twice as long as the second largest cave system in Mexico. Damn. Several sets of Native American remains have balls. also been recovered from the Mammoth Cave Many of these mummified remains indicate intentional pre-Columbian funerary practices. Unreal. And another fascinating discovery was the remains of cane torches used by a yet undisclosed Native American hey, tribe. Hey, Shelby, welcome to the room. Unknown origin. Could there... Yeah, I'm just playing. I'm going to publish this one because it fascinates me. It's just really weird. I was talking about this book and this is going into it. I've never seen this documentary. I've had it sitting there for ages. And um, I would have published it on my show, like, it goes for 45 minutes. So I'm just, yeah, I got a bit, yeah, in, indulging in it a bit because I only had 15 minutes left. So I thought, I'll oh, stuff it. I'll play a bit more for, get people the taste of it. But I'll, I'll put it up later, actually. Um, didn't even know I bloody had to sit in here. I don't usually go into this folder. Oh, wow, what a trip. I'll just play a couple more minutes and um, just see who's in the room. Um, yeah, yeah, it's Bloody unreal. I just can't believe I was talking about the book and he brought it up. <laughs> I'm waiting to hear the God. I'm sure the God that they mention in the book is either Yahweh or Jehovah. I'm, I know I'm nearly 100% it was one of them. I've got a feeling, I can't, no, I can't remember, but I'm nearly 100% it was one of them because I remember thinking straight away the Israelites and stuff like that for biblical. Um, but anyway, I'll, I might actually look at the book and find out myself again. I've got it on PDF if anyone wants it to. Deep inside these massive caverns, the smoky god it's called. Is there more to Lovecraft's fictional story of subterranean troglodytes than just fiction? I actually, I reckon around 600th show, four, four to six hundred. I reckon I actually done one. I'll have to check on my um, archives in Podbeam. I'm pretty sure I done one about the smoky god. Fascinating. Hey, how's this? There's this canyon. He's just dropping in. I reckon it's this canyon here in this place, all right? And they slowed it down, and you could see freaking eels, like like in the spirit realm, like eels, you know, like not literally, um, yeah, 
they slowed this freaking thing down in this canyon, and you could see these ent- entities, I guess you could call it. I'd say they're baby archons, to be honest with you. Like, um, I wouldn't be surprised. But you could see them swimming around them as they're going down. Freaking, I'm going to find that one again. I don't know what I've done with that. That's somewhere, probably on my old bloody phone that I can't start, no doubt. It's got to be on the internet somewhere. Our planet's final frontier. Yeah, I reckon it was this. In yeah. a world spoken about in myths and legends. He might bring it up, But actually. where few have dared to go. Whoa. Beneath our feet are countless miles of cave shafts and passages... These guys are crazy. They're just jumping into these cave like oh, the freaking madman. This is parachute just straight into these dark caves. <laughs> like you got to see it to believe it. Cave of swallows in Mexico. Cave of swallows. A four hundred meter free fall drop into what is currently the second deepest known pit in Mexico. Pit. And the eleventh deepest in the world. Wow. The wow. temperature in the caves are low. Vegetation grows thickly at the mouth. And the floor is covered with a thick oh, layer wow. of bat guano. Oh, I've got to publish these videos, man. Insects, You've got to see it to believe snakes it. Snakes and scorpions live. But this is not the only subterranean world in the oh, region. You should see the crystals. The guys are actually walking on them. They're that big. Oh, they're massive. They're the size of bloody trucks. Wow, man. Oh, man, I'd be in the element there. Bloody hell. Year 2000, the cave of crystals was oh, discovered by miners excavating a tunnel Unreal. for a mine in Mexico. The main chamber contains some of the largest natural crystals ever found in any underground cave. You can't, you can't the describe it. The largest one so that. far, measuring about 36 feet in length, 13 feet in diameter, Jeez. and weighs over 55 tons. Whoa. So these massive crystals are just... I wouldn't mind that one in my crystal collection. <laughs> uh, bloody hell. I don't, you couldn't fit it in the bloody width of the house, length of the house. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, what's my house? My house is only about 20 foot. Yeah, I'd have to bloody extend the bloody house and put the little bugger in there. What a trip. Oh, wow, man. What a trip. Oh, I'm spinning out now. <laughs> All right. We're getting close to the bloody end. All right. I better play this. Spectacular. Imagine one Two and a half minutes. A the amazingly huge quartz in this subterranean cave oh, wow, man. have become this large. Because of the extremely hot temperatures inside of the underground cavern, where it has reached a steamy 136 degrees Fahrenheit, and this encourages microscopic crystals to form, rapidly growing <laughs> much faster than we're used to seeing in cooler locations. Just gazing at these gigantic, beautiful crystals, one can't help but get carried away imagining what else awaits further exploration deeper inside these caves oh well there goes me going on the bed tonight i can't sleep now i'm bloody osman's excited <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yeah i don't get excited about girls i get excited about crystals guys yeah i'm one of those weird ones <laughs> maintain that their ancestors did not arrive from the north nor by boat but instead climbed onto the surface from the underworld. The specific place of emergence of the Hopi legend lies deep inside of the Grand Canyon. I've included a link in the description to a video I did on the Hopi. Has, the- has anyone witnessed the Grand Canyon over there? Oh, I'd love to see that. I'd love to, I'd love to actually go over helicopter as well, just to get that experience of it. That and Niagara Falls. I'd love to see Niagara Falls, but I think the Grand Canyon would be the one for sure. Oh, man, the... Just, it's like a, it's like 
a spiritual experience, you know what I mean? Listen to him going off on his little Zen moment. Prehistoric temples <laughs> of Malta are among the oldest standing structures which remain from ancient times. All right, that's enough of that. Oh, wow. Whew. My head's spinning now, guys. Look at him. Bloody, wait, I've got to forward that so I don't lose it. Uh, where will we put that? Put it saved. Huh. Well, there we go. Osman got a bit excited there towards the end. <laughs> Can't have that. Look at him. He's little element there like a... Like a kid in a candy store. Oh, God, I love him, little diddums. All right, let's play a song for Uncle Russell on the way out, I reckon. Yeah, let's do one for Uncle Russell. The best song ever sung, apparently, if I can find it, of... Where are we? Come on, I knew I downloaded it. Oh, come on, man. The most... I reckon this is it. The most beautiful one, if it's the one I'm thinking. Yeah, here it is. This one's for you, Russell. The most beautiful hallelujah ever. And I don't even know the bloody artist. See you on the next episode, guys. You all take care out there. Ila Kesh. Love, peace, and blessings to you all. There's no doubt about it. Voice of the angels, guys. She needed proof. You saw her bathing on the roof. Her beauty in the moonlight. She tied you to the kitchen chair. She broke your throat.